if you knew us, then you'd know. We all went to the same high school. In Hawaii. <laughs> Hi, I'm Leah Parker Belfer, a T22, and you're listening to If You Knew Me, a grassroots podcast dedicated to celebrating diversity, equity, and inclusion at the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth. Hi, today I'm joined by Kathy Casades, Daniel Pereira, and James Wong, T21s. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for, Thanks having, for us. having us. Thank you. Um, so I guess where to begin? I mean, you, so you went to the same high school. Does that mean you also went, were together in school leading up to high school or did you have separate um, elementary experiences? I am significantly, I think, was went to the high school, I think, earlier than these two guys. So I definitely uh, entered that high school in seventh grade. Uh, <laughs> I went to public school before and the high school that we went to was a private school. So. Okay, got it. So that might mean you lived in different parts of Hawaii. Yeah, yeah I, I was I, central. Where were you guys? I was... Um kind of by Waikiki, I mean, like Kapuhulu, it's like pretty close by, five, 10 minute walk, or I guess. Yeah, I live pretty close to Dan. So I live on the border of like Kamuki and Kahala. And I actually got caught out uh, when I called into a radio station once. I said I was from Kamuki and the, the MC was like, oh, you tell all the, your boys you're from Kamuki, but when you're with girls, you tell them you're from Kahala, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I love, uh, I love that area. I feel like for our listeners, James, you're going to have to explain that uh, nuance. <laughs> yeah, I think there's just, like, I live on the border between, like, um, some pretty, like, nice, nice areas and, like, just normal areas. And so I have the benefit of being able to claim both. Mm. <laughs> and so, okay, so it sounds like you didn't necessarily interact in high school or overlap, I mean. No, the first time that I knew there were other Hawaii students was when Dan linked in me, I think. And he was like, hey, I'm coming from, I think you're coming from Boston, right, Dan? And he was like, yeah. we're all from Punahou. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. I was so surprised they had let three of us like all be in the same class together from the same place. <laughs> and I guess, so when did you all, like, what was the experience like growing up in Hawaii? And when did you, when did you leave? Or did you not leave? So hmm. I, I, I grew up there and I left the island uh, when I went to undergrad at UW in Seattle. And so while I would come back, you know, a few times a year to visit my family, I actually stayed on the mainland all the way up until now. So lived in Seattle for a little bit, then the Bay Area, then uh, L.A., and then now in the East Coast. Yeah, I, I think I was, I was similar to James. Um, I graduated high school and that's when I moved away from Hoi. Uh, came out here to Babson College outside of Boston um, and pretty much stayed the whole time. So I've been out here in Boston for like 10 years now. Um, and so it's, it's really been, it's really been a while. Mm, Kathy, what about uh, you? I didn't expect. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, Dan. We're on Zoom and I think I didn't see, I think it glitched for a sec. What did you say? No, I was just saying, you know, I, I didn't expect to, you know, when I first moved out, I never thought I'd be gone from Hawaii for 10 years in a row, you know, just not ever going back. So it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I was born and raised in Hawaii. And then um, after high school, went to the Midwest for schooling and then 
kind of made my way around um, some places, went home to work in Hawaii for several years and then decided I wanted to go back to school. And so now I'm on the East Coast and then headed to the West Coast. But hopefully I'd like to eventually end up back home. And I, I guess that's kind of the dream for me is like wanting to go back home. But it's been kind of circuitous, like this path <laughs> to get yeah. there. Well, I was going to ask, I mean, when you all shared your, your story of, of leaving around college, was that, um, had you at all considered, you know, staying on the island for school or what, what led to you feeling, deciding to leave? I think, I think for, for me, um, about, there's like two camps, in my opinion, the camp of people that really miss home and have a strong connection to it. And they, they tend to move home, you know, shortly after college. I'd say half, about half my friends did that. And then half of my friends really loved what we call the mainland, so North America. And so they've just stayed there ever since and don't, because of whatever, you know, job situations um, or whatnot, they, they can see themselves, you know, settling down there. And I think I would put myself in the latter camp. As much as I loved growing up in Hawaii, I think there's a lot more I haven't explored yet. And I feel like um, I started getting a little bit of island fever right before I left for college. Yeah, I, I think the island fever thing is is pretty real. Like, I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of decided to move too and why I decided to move so far. I was just like, you know, let me go explore and do something completely different and like try to think, you know, have be in a different environment and like think differently and, and like, you know, with Hawaii so isolated and so, so small that I feel like sometimes it can be very, um, you know, group think oriented. Um, but I, I don't think that means now I feel like, uh, like I still feel like I want to go back one day. Um, I just don't exactly know how or know like the best way to do that. You know, it's expensive. There's, you know, so much to consider. Um, but yeah, that's totally still a, a dream of mine. Yeah. And I think I'm kind of in that latter camp of I, I come home and then when I'm on the plane, I cry because I don't want to leave because I enjoy <laughs> it so much. I, it, is, it is an island. You can drive around it in a couple of hours, but I just find it beautiful. There's something um, so warm about being home and it's not just the sun. It's just it's the community, the family that I have, the friends and um, being out on hikes or being at the beach. I just I feel really connected to that. And um so for me, it's, it's kind of like this dream that I have, but like Dan is saying, there's a lot of opportunities that you can get, it, like when you come to the mainland that you can't necessarily get in Hawaii. And so yeah. it, I think we've all kind of left to kind of pursue some of those other dreams that we've had, like for career and, and, and other types of things. But um, yeah, and I think that's a struggle for me because like, like all of us, uh, James, Dan and I, when we got to talk for the FYP Go project, we're like, let's do something to like give back to Hawaii because we love Hawaii. And so we, we formed a team around that idea. And so I do think that we still have a deep love even if we are away. And so. Yeah. What, what did your project end up being? Like, what were you focused on, um, you know, doing for, for Hawaii? Okay, Kathy, go ahead. I feel like oh, you, you would best explain it. <laughs> really? I, was gonna, I think you guys are more eloquent. Um, so we, we were, first we had, we had like these ideas. We were just kind of throwing out and spitballing ideas, I remember, about what we could do. And then um, one of my friends introduced me to one of her close friends who um, works uh, specifically on um, Native Hawaiian health. And so she, she was immediately like, I would love to work with you guys. I'm going into a project uh, with a big payer in Hawaii um, around producing these um, operationalized 
culturally respectful health practices that are um, directed towards Indigenous Native Hawaiian people. And so we were able to partner with their group and do this kind of, I think, really cool project around um, that idea of uh, how do you get this social return on investment on these types of practices if you are able to implement them through payers in the island. And so it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, the only thing we missed out on was a trip all together back home <laughs> with the whole team. But that's like, we're actually going to plan that. I think that's like on the list of things that we'd like to all do together or, or have our whole FYP team go down and have a like a, a visit. So That's awesome. Yeah. And the reason I was asking too is because I um, something you said about, you know, the limitations in Hawaii and then, you know, wanting to give back and, and, and had a trace in my and what I heard of their needing not needing but like there could be an added benefit to why that maybe like is missing now so I was just curious about um you know what your thoughts are as you reflect on on limitations of living on the island um and and what might be like you Dan you you said there it's challenging to move back I'm just curious of what what um what that might what some of those challenges might be yeah I mean I think personally um I, I, I think that there are just trade-off uh, challenges um, for, you know, the same job that you're going to be doing in Hawaii compared to the same job in the mainland, even if it's something like, you know, um, my friend's work as an underwriter at a bank, and he's definitely getting paid, you know, a fraction of what uh, a similar job is, is getting paid on in, in New York, for example. Um, so it's, it's as those kind of trade-offs on top of um, a higher living cost, uh, you know, it's expensive to buy a house. It's expensive to, I don't know, gas is really expensive. Everything is really expensive. And so you are kind of taking a hit on both sides, right? It's not only a higher cost of living, but it, um, salaries are a little bit lower. Um, but there is kind of also another feeling that I have where it's like, there is kind of a talent drain, I, I think, in, in Hawaii that, that people talk about a lot and um, wanting to still contribute to that society and, and that, you know, and, and to Hawaii, um, that, that's still kind of a big a calling. It's, 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 not, it's not a monetary benefit, you know, it's not going to necessarily add to my net worth or anything like that, but it's still something that motivates me, I guess, eventually, maybe. Yeah, I feel like most of the people that I know who have been able to swing living in Hawaii um, have accumulated wealth in their families where there's already a property that's owned or multiple areas that they can live because the cost of living is so high. And then if people have families, it becomes even more complicated. And uh, it, a lot of times because there's, um, I would say there's a big gap in education between public and private mm. school in Hawaii. And so if you, if you want your children to have the, I guess, quote unquote, best of educations, you're going to try to get them into a private school. It's super competitive. It costs enormous amounts of money. And so I think it just, the trade-off there becomes pretty, pretty, pretty large. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that that problem is really interesting. Like it, it's, um, it's, it, it's kind of, it feels like it's been that way for kind of a while and almost ingrained. Um, I have a really good friend that uh, is running a charter school out in uh, Eva, which is, uh, you know, part of Hawaii. And it's a really great charter school. And they're really doing some amazing things around um, education. And 
but the perception in the market is still like it's for rich people or for people like you know affluent people whatever it is and, and like it's not for us and and so that idea of, of, of education is you know still very I don't know it's it, it's it's cultural I guess I don't know mm. and it sounds yeah. like you're saying there's a discrepancy in the uh, there's a there's definitely a, a spectrum on the socioeconomics like a status of folks on the on the island is that right like is there a lot of variety there yeah i would say from you know it i'd say you know it kind of disproportionately affects like the the indigenous hawaiians um like i'd say when you know during the colonization of hawaii these are kind of the the kind of the roots of why things are how they are today um and I mean, to, to combat that, though, one of the best private schools in Hawaii is open to only, you know, native Hawaiian people with native Hawaiian blood. So I think that's done like a huge favor. It's called Kamehameha Schools. But, you know, it can only hold so many people. And there are a lot of other people from, you know, uh, poor families that don't get the same opportunity. I mean, if you look at the type of jobs available in Hawaii, it's mostly centered around tourism. There's some, you know, financial services jobs real estate but other than that there's not as much of a variety and mm. I guess when you couple that in terms of like you know if you grew up there and you know when you know, you know kind of suffered through the the education gap it's it's difficult to kind of move up the kind of the socioeconomic uh, brackets mm. and switching gears a little bit too I mean I think um, for folks that like myself that might not like haven't had the opportunity to go to Hawaii yet would love to, but have not yet. Um, what can can you share what it was like, you know, or what it is like in Hawaii, like for for people that have never been? Kathy, maybe I know you were describing some of your fondest memories. Maybe you could share a few. Yeah, I, I mean, I think from a local perspective, it it's maybe a little different. Like when I I come home, I, I'm going to see family. Like there's this aspect of it being really intimate and personal. And I think, but I all of my friends who have ever visited they love Hawaii and that makes me really happy too like I feel good about people coming to visit and saying they loved going to the beach and all the food and um, there's something just kind of amazing but you're still kind of in a I would say like a, a westernized American culture in some ways when you come here so I think people have that comfort to attach to as well so there, there's a familiarity there and then you're on this like tropical beautiful island and um I think that that is pretty special. I I do think when I was growing up, there was kind of this us versus them, like the tourists were both needed, but also a little bit, um, maybe we resented them a little bit that they were on the land and using resources and maybe getting to be on the best beaches because they were able to pay for it. So I think, I think growing up for me, that was there, that was there. And mm. now I think, as Dan was saying, like maybe not even a talent trip, but just I, I do actually have heard that word. And I think there's some like I, I agree with some of the elements in that. But I also think just in general, a lot of people who were born and raised here do leave for more opportunities on the mainland because it's very unaffordable to be um, if, if you're just middle income to live here. And so that kind of constant churn of people coming on and off the island, people coming here to work 
uh, maybe deciding they're going to go back to the mainland and, and just kind of having that churn. I, I feel like the demographics of Hawaii is constantly changing as well. And so now I feel maybe less of that tension point of like us versus them and just kind of like more of a transient type of feel when I come back. And that's maybe because I'm transient as well. I don't know what you guys think about that, but it's, it's interesting. And now I'm wondering like, like, what does it mean to be like, I'm from Hawaii. I am Hawaiian. Like, because that's, it's changing, right? That there's, it's so many people kind of coming in and out. Yeah. I, I think something, you know, to touch on your point about like the tourism aspect, I think in the past year, I realized how um, we're good at, gained a greater appreciation for people that visit Hawaii because especially during the lockdown, like obviously the hotels are closed. Like Hawaii runs on a lot of small businesses, which were closed and a lot of people are suffering because of that. And then to see kind of the influx of remote workers coming from a lot from like California or Seattle, you know, people that have these high paying jobs, but are choosing to live in Hawaii and therefore kind of spend their money there. I think some people were, kind of averse to it at first because they're like oh I don't know if these people are bringing COVID or whatnot I don't know if they'll follow the rules but I kind of saw it from the lens like this was much needed kind of all an alternative to tourism that really I think would help you know save a lot of these small businesses or at least like you know keep Hawaii afloat for a little while and then now that it's kind of fully opened up again uh, I have hopes that you know Hawaii will continue to recover. Something you said too, Kathy, made me think about, um, I wonder what your parents might think, you know, they've seen so much change. And um, when you were, I, I'd be curious of their perspective of kind of, if, if their perspective on um, the transient nature of Hawaii or like the identity piece that you just mentioned about being from or being Hawaiian, like, I'm curious if, have you all talked to your families about that at all? Or do you have thoughts? For some um, reason, I don't think I talked to my mom about that too much. I don't, and we've never really had a discussion about it. That's so interesting. We might have to do a second episode after you all go home and talk to your parents. <laughs> <laughs> I think they would, I think, you know, if my parents have ever mentioned it, it's more about kind of the infrastructure and how much more crowded the island feels now and how much more expensive things are. Mm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I will say with the, advent of social media all the like places that I used to go and no one was there now it's packed with people <laughs> are there any you know you were mentioning the tourist piece and I'm sure there are things that all tourists do or try to do when they go but are there I mean, maybe you won't want to say them because you won't want you won't want to make them tourist um, attractions or things but is there anything special that um that you would recommend people do or just something special that you want to share about maybe something that the local only the locals know that's a good question I feel like locals like we go to each other's house and like sit in the backyard and we like <laughs> chat and we like cook food and we so I don't know that we have like places that we have like secret that is like eating eateries that's pretty I think public um, I think there's more of an element of people just kind of hanging out together in their homes. And then, um, yeah, there's like a, there's a hiking trail near my house that nobody goes to because it's very residential. I, I live in kind of like suburbs is how I would describe it. And so no one really goes up there. So I can kind of get away still. But it's, um, 
yeah, I don't know that it would be like a, a location if even right. if people found so, out it existed. <laughs> so. so what I'm taking from this is that if you go, you should try to find a residential area and see if someone will let you join their their dinner. <laughs> you should you should come you should come with your Hawaii friends. That's what you should come with because then we'll we'll pick out the things that are fun and where you should go. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, let me know when your FYP goes. <laughs> I'll just come. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you you know? I, that we haven't touched on yet that you really want to share about? I mean, I know we didn't even really talk about your high school, but um, is there anything that, you know, you might want to share uh, before we wrap up? Do you, for, for Dan and Kathy, do you feel like the perception of like Hawaii, Hawaii people being like very chill, do you think, do you feel like that applies to you? And like in general, is like a very accurate generalization of like Hawaii people? <laughs> I, I think that's a great question because I feel like in that that's changed for me almost. I, I think kind of maybe coming out of uh, out of Hawaii, maybe I was like that. Maybe like I, I, I was also, you know, we were kind of young when we left and just not exactly knowing what the path had for me, not exactly knowing how to like think about that, you know, not exactly knowing how to be type A almost. Um, but it, in many ways, I think coming here to talk and, and, and being in like, you know, the corporate US world, like has very much, you know, made me be conscious that a lot of my decisions have to be planned. If I do want to end up, you know, wherever it is I want to end up, I, I need to start planning all those things and, and really trying to push for it and being more type A like that. Um, and so I think that I've kind of grown to be like that, but maybe deep down, I still kind of am chill in certain aspects um, <laughs> sometimes, but I, I, I think like my friends that I'm going to see again that I haven't seen in a, in a long time will definitely comment on, you know, how much I've changed really. And it's, it's both like sad and, but like necessary. And, and like, yeah, I, I, I don't know how to feel about that. I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I feel like our high school, like molded us to start being less chill mm. at least I, I feel like I got less chill starting in high school and then I I felt that there was no other option than to go to the mainland for college I just kind of felt socially that that was what everyone was doing and that was the next natural step and kind of going to the mainland I think I, I, or maybe I was always less chill it was there and it just came out more <laughs> but, um I, I think I saw the veneer of chill. <laughs> What's interesting though about both your responses is though it does sound like you're confirming. So James, you were asking like, do you think that generalization is true, is is generally true? And it sounds like both of you do. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you think? yeah I think I think things feel slow. I, I don't know if slow is the right word, but that's, I guess that's what I'll say. It's when I'm on the East Coast, it's, there's a pace to it. And I think um, an expectation and all of these things. And in Hawaii, you come home and you just sit there sometimes. And just kind of chill, hang out with people. You don't have to have conversations. It doesn't have to be a point of things. You're just kind of hanging out. And time, time goes by quicker in Hawaii almost because I think things, um, even though I've said they've changed over time from when I was growing up, are kind of the same like every day could be almost like groundhog day and so mm -hmm. time seems to just pass whereas and there's not as many things that have to happen in a day and 
no unnecessary expectations. I think that lends itself to the chill. Yeah, there's this concept of Hawaiian time, which is not mm. not necessarily on time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say like we like probably grew up in kind of more relaxed environment where you know it's okay if things like don't go the way you, you planned it you know uh, things will work out like don't stress about it um, and I think I appreciate that aspect what now when I'm in when I find myself in stressful situations but at, but at the same time like living on the mainland has definitely helped me become more I think of a of a go-getter I guess Mm. yeah I wonder like do you think then that are you saying you think Hawaii like Hawaiians aren't go-getters is that or I don't want to um put words into your mouth but is, is that what you were thinking no I'm just saying for myself specifically okay. um I think so, I think when you grow up in a really relaxed environment it could be easy to fall into it I can't speak for everyone but I think I felt myself falling into it and so being in a different you know different environment uh you know helped me develop other skills I just think, yeah, I think it's a different environment because I, I know a different value, right? We don't, yeah. if you, if you're coming to a business school, if you're coming to a graduate education, there's expectations, there's a pace, like what is valued is that you are efficient and you get things done. Um, but maybe that's not the most important thing. It just, I think it just depends on that, that position and where you are. So when you come home, maybe the most valuable thing is to just hug your niece or nephew and just sit there for a while and, and that becomes the most valuable thing so yeah yeah but well thank you thank you all for coming and being on this podcast we'll end with a fun question I don't know how we haven't talked about food yet so um I guess my question would be what is uh each of your favorite local food I'd say mine is it's this Hawaiian dish called pipi kaula it's kind of the Hawaiian equivalent of like beef jerky so Mm. just uh with a kind of twist it's more broiled and marinated with soy sauce um and there's actually a wide variety of ways that you know people make it on the island which i find really uh, interesting sometimes it's like really tender like short ribs other times it's like chewy beef jerky other times it's kind of like corned beef almost so i really enjoyed trying the the different ways that people make it that sounds delicious uh, I'll, 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 I'll jump in because that made me think about, I changed, I, I guess I, I want to talk about two, if that's okay. Um, the first is definitely uh, chili mocho, which is, it, it's, it's a local mocho is actually the original kind of like local dish, which is like uh, rice with uh, a hamburger patty. Uh, fried egg and gravy on top of it all. So it's a giant, amazing thing. Um, and then Zippy is this uh, amazing fast food chain that we have in Hawaii. Um, it, instead of putting gravy, they, they put uh, chili on it. And so that's definitely one of my favorite things. Um, but James also got me thinking about like all the other type of uh, meat and how meat is prepared. And I love Lao Lao. Um, it's like this like steamed meat kind of almost dim sum like dish that's like wrapped in banana leaf it almost reminds me of like you know things that i've seen in vietnam that uh, my wife loves to eat i've seen like similar things in, in china and but then in here we do it with like meat and some fish and i'd say so good <laughs> oh you're making me hungry 
This trip, my favorite thing has been getting shave ice for some reason. And I'm not really a sweets person, so it's surprising. But I've been really loving um, all the different places. It's So shave ice is different than snow cones, because most people would think of a snow cone, but it's completely different. It's spectacular. It's this finely shaven ice and these amazing syrups of all these different flavors. And then you can add toppings like ice cream or mochi balls or condensed milk, um, azuki beans. You can just kind of make it how you want it. And it's delicious. So, so is it in a cup or is it, it's not like in a cone or could it be? It's not in a I haven't seen any cones. Usually, like in a cup or like this really like flimsy cone that's paper, and then everything kind of falls apart. So you have to eat it really fast. I can imagine too, like it might melt. <laughs> yes, and it melts. But for some reason, I've been addicted. This Kathy, trip. You, you know what the follow-up question is now, right? You yeah, which just, which one? <laughs> you have to describe. You have to describe your your dream shave ice and also where you get it from. So I would say uh, just Wyola rainbow which is a like a traditional flavor which is strawberry vanilla i don't know what the, the yellow is <laughs> banana i think it's banana um with ice cream and azuki beans and condensed milk on the top <laughs> that's my favorite you put ice cream on top of it like the ice cream ball goes in the middle and then they put all the ice around the top and then um i guess the beans go in the middle too and then they they make like a mountain ice cap with condensed milk Oh my gosh, that literally is the best of all worlds. You yeah, really and then it's a rainbow. So, super good. Oh my gosh. That's well, on that name. note, now I need to like figure out how to make any of these in, the, <laughs> um, in Hanover. But um, thank you so much for being with us today. It was so nice talking. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Thanks for listening to this episode of If You Knew Me. I founded the If You Knew Me podcast back in the fall of 2020 help deepen student connections and foster a culture of belonging here at Tuck. Please check out our other episodes to support and learn more about other Tuckies. Special thanks to my partner, Alex Mitko, for helping with sound production. If you have any questions or feedback on the podcast, or if you want to be featured in a future episode, please contact us at the email address listed in the description.